0: Welcome to series four of Recruitment Journeys, the podcast series in which we continue to pin down recruitment industry identities and leaders and we find out how they came from where they came from and how they ended up where they are today. As ever, we'll do our very best to keep the conversation candid and authentic in the hope to inspire, educate and motivate. My name is Pete Watson and I have a rec to rec business that's been kicking around for the better part of a couple of decades. And this is my own little way of helping the industry learn from others who have been there and done it. The fourth series of recruitment journeys is proudly sponsored by our very good friends of Vincere, the recruitment tech platform created by recruiters for recruiters and powered by the Recruiters Mentor Project. Check them both out at www.vincere.io and www.therecruitersmentorproject.com.au. Right, that's quite enough of all the corporate waffle. Let's crack on with Series 4 of Recruitment Journeys. In an industry that's crammed full of small niche specialists, all trying to cut through the noise, compete with the big boys and make a crust, how do you stand out? How do you ensure that you're not only seen and heard, but ultimately recognised as the number one go-to recruiter in your chosen super tight niche? Today we ask Chris Kager-Watson from Genius People, because I reckon he's done exactly that. Hope you enjoyed this Recruitment Journeys podcast titled, How do you become the number one go-to recruiter in a super tight niche? Chris Kager-Watson from
1: Genius People. Good morning, mate. How are you doing? Very well, sir. Thanks for very well. How are you?
0: I'm all right, mate. I am all right. Thank you so much for coming on the Recruitment Journeys (coughs) podcast series. Uh, much appreciated mate <clears throat> I'm going to uh, I'm going to demonstrate a little bit of humility and assume that you maybe haven't heard any of the podcasts thus far so I'll explain what it is and what it's all about. Um, we're actually in our fourth series now mate um, and for the last two or three years we've been speaking to selected recruitment identities about their their journey um, as it says on the tin in the hope to educate, motivate, inspire other recruiters out there who might listen to your story and go, cool, I want a bit of that. That's what I want to do. And uh, so no pressure, mate. Please, uh, please, (laughs) please be as inspirational today as you possibly can.
1: As always.
0: (laughs) Uh, We've known each other. We've known each other a long time. Uh, I think I... Placed
1: you, I did place you, didn't I? Many years. Hey, ago. you were my, you, you got me my first job in Australia. What, eleven years ago now, March 2011. And mm. uh, as a little anecdote, um, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll cover. in terms hey, we love anecdotes. News. We love
0: anecdotes. We do,
1: and and I remember uh, there was two. I'll keep anonymity here for obvious reasons, but uh, there were two recruiters that I dealt with at the time, and and obviously you know the business that that I went to. Um, and, uh, one, the other recruiter actually said to me, cause I think i decided to leave before my, uh, probation was up and therefore their replacement guarantee. Yeah. And I was asked to stay for another six weeks so yeah. that they wouldn't lose their, their fee. So, you know, I think when we're dealing with our candidates and looking after their lives and, and so on and their careers, um, did
0: they, no Aimee, did, did, did they offer you a little cut to stay?
1: No, they didn't. They didn't. But um, uh, funny enough, I don't don't deal with that recruiter anymore. But uh, over the years, uh, yeah, we've certainly stayed connected. And I think, to be honest, even these sort of initiatives that you're doing and um, the branding around that, you know, all adds to the credibility, which I think you have in abundance, Pete. So, no, absolute pleasure to to, to do this.
0: Thank you, mate. I appreciate that. So um, we have known each other quite a while. Uh, you you now head up a, a specialist niche recruitment business which, which we're always going to talk about today um, the title of today's podcast Chris it's not exactly it's not a punchy title by any stretch of the mind it's not a sexy title um, we're calling today's podcast how does a recruiter become the number one go-to recruiter in a niche market it's quite a boring title in fairness but hopefully hopefully we'll make it slightly less boring yeah um, because that's exactly what you do but, 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 but before we get into that um, I've already given the listeners a little bit of an introduction as to who Chris Kager Watson is but mate in your own words would you mind introducing yourself?
1: Yeah absolutely so yeah Chris Kager Watson I've I set up genius people four or five years ago and um, pretty traditional recruitment route really I think and working across you know the smaller boutiques um, with Venator, who you know very well, of course. Uh, That was where you placed me, I believe. Um, And then went into a slightly bigger firm, um, just decided to go out on my own for a multitude of reasons. Um, And look, we operate in the, the advisory arms of professional services. So... I have two niche areas in in forensics and insolvency, um, which I've been doing for probably nearly 15 years now. I have another co-director that that, that looks after corporate finance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're a small team of four now, hopefully growing towards the end of the year, but certainly some very niche focus, which cool. which we can discuss today. So okay. uh, that's us. That's you, Dad. You're a Dad. Yeah, I've got two little boys, Zach and Archie. Um, two very different souls. One crazy adhd uh whirlwind of a human being and then one very placid uh shy retiring type so we've definitely got the the 50 50 mum and dad there yeah yeah
0: mate, dare i ask which one takes
1: up to you uh that's exact that's the that's the what that's the whirlwind for sure but uh no very very blessed we live regionally at the moment obviously covid has allowed us to do that yeah. obviously creates challenges from a management and, and and culture development and things but that's something we're all or striving to negate. But um, yeah, I love my golf, really got into my golf over the years. Um, and as you and I have spoken, you know, sort of, I think when you get to a point of leadership and, and business ownership, it's that transition of managing your stress and yeah. building a business and and maybe some healthier pursuits to, to manage that stress and, and, and things like that. So it's a journey, isn't it? Business management and, and and creating a brand. You're looking well.
0: You're looking well. You are looking well you have an age, so that's good. But um, let's get into it, mate. Let's get into it. Yes. So You run a niche business, uh, a, a very niche business, a, a specialist business, mm-hmm. and um, so do I. So you know, you know, maybe maybe this is one of those podcasts where I can uh, I can put in a, a little bit of my own input as well. But it's it's, it's mainly about you and and um, and how you kind of promote or market or, or or put forward your business. I'm, I'm curious to know, because there's plenty of us out there, there's plenty of niche recruiters out there. How does somebody, in your opinion, and we're going to break it down, become the go-to, the number one go-to recruiter in their chosen specialist market. Now what? because I don't think it's enough to be just a, a run-of-the-mill, bog standard, stay in your lane kind of recruiter. You need to you need to, you know, forgive the cliches, but you need to think outside the box, right? You have to do things you do. differently. You need to make sure that you're seen and heard, and there's yeah. a multitude of different ways of doing that. And um, I do, I do a couple of things myself. This podcast is a perfect example, mm-hmm. and uh, and I know that you, know, you do that as well. So I'm keen to keen to to, to get behind the scenes, and you might have to give a, give away a, a few trade secrets, mate. But we'll, we'll, yeah,
1: that's um, fine. That's mate,
0: fine. So, so in layman's terms. In layman's terms, you just touched on it, but what is your niche specialism? What 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 type of people do you place?
1: Well, look, we're, as a firm, we look after accounting and finance, so um, the advisory arms of professional services. So we deal with two of the top four, two of the top ten. There's two sort of, you know, you would say big global advisory firms, um, and then you get the smaller boutiques, the independents, of course, that that all attract different talent, different personality types, and. Uh, and offer different career strategy and development really so but accounting and finance you would say is the overarching um, sort of sector so within that insolvency um, and forensics are my two two core niches so obviously they're they're with the same clients a lot of the full suite accounting firms and advisory firms will look after these areas but I sort of fell into insolvency really I think as you know as any junior coming into the market you are Attention, please. Attention, please. Look at that for timing, Pete.
0: <laughs> They're actually doing a fire test alarm. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that a fire alarm? Oh. I think it's a test, Pete. Hold on. Right. Right. Right, right, before, right before this podcast, you said, do you ever have to edit anything out? I went, no, nah, <laughs> Perfectly smoothly. But then you have a fire alarm. Mate, <laughs> right. who cares? It, sh- it shows that we're having an, an authentic live. An authentic chat, yeah. Keep um yeah, look, I think as a junior,
1: you're led by, you know, your leadership really, in terms of where your focus is, potentially the leverage that their existing clients can give you and, and that sort of thing. Um, I actually started my journey in engineering. So I was actually placing uh, air conditioning and refrigeration engineers. Oh. Uh, so very different. But I think as the young, you know, little lad that I was then and, and the terminology of lad, I think that probably suited my personality dealing with, with those people. Um a very fast-paced uh, um, environment. And then I think going back to probably 2008 when we obviously had the financial crisis, the leader, who's probably one of the most, uh, certainly from my perspective, um, here we go. Sorry, Pete. Here we go. Do you want to grab your handbag and run for
0: the door? Come out the window,
1: great <laughs> advice coming great advice coming i love it i love it um so yeah he he saw an opportunity in the insolvency market um you know given obviously the global financial crisis so i was i was sort of strategically placed in that market and and here we are on, so.
0: On, so again in, in very simple layman's terms when you talk about insolvency I think I've got what to, is it what is it in simple terms so anybody who might not have heard the term before
1: yeah absolutely and this will feed into some of the things that that, that we talk about because i think fundamentally the fulfillment that we all get <clears throat> is is from the enjoyment in in the sector or the people or or what have you that that, that we specialize in so insolvency is what it says on the tin. really it's <clears throat> there's three sides to it you've got the personal insolvency the restructuring and then the formal insolvency so um, you know, I think from a characteristics perspective of people you're looking for, um, you know, it can be a very distressing uh, area of the market, you know, when you're winding up businesses and, and taking estates of, of people and and different things. So, you know, learning to... The um... testing of the fire alarm system is now complete. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> well at least we know we're safe if there's a fire. Um but it's it's fundamentally accounting, you know, it's it's a heavily regulated industry, so there's a lot of of of, of box ticking in that sense. Yeah. Um but fundamentally, you know, you're looking at some of the key key uh responsibilities cash flow forecasting budgeting on the big turnaround engagements there's a lot of employee benefits a lot of liaison with creditors banks lawyers um and obviously making sure that everything directors responsibilities and there's the corporations act of course i was lucky in a sense of coming from the uk and then coming to australia that you know that the corporations act and the market you know, even across the very large pond, I'd actually place people that had come from Australia to England and gone back. So I had a lukewarmish market when I came here with a few people. Um, and then forensics is 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 of course accounting as well, broken down into fraud investigation, dispute litigation, computer forensics. So very different personality types and backgrounds. Um, so that, that, that's probably a, a good overview, and um, but firmly sat within that that finance and accounting banner, Pete.
0: so I suppose my, my first question about setting yourself apart from the competition in terms of establish, establishing yourself as the as, as the number one go to recruiter in, in a niche market is is understanding the mechanics mm. of of the industry in which you operate that was <laughs> that was almost um. That was that was something that really really appealed to me when I first moved into r um, uh, because I, I knew I knew what recruiters did every single day because I was obviously a recruiter. Yeah. You could argue that I came from industry, right? Um, and that made my job a lot easier. So yeah. I was able to talk their talk. I could I could I could I could spot good from bad, yeah. and uh, I, I just had a um, an unfair advantage, and innate understanding of what they did for a living. Um, how much do you need to know, you personally, you're a recruiter, no, you're not an accountant, how much do you need to know or how much do you, do you go out and educate yourself on what these people do in order to make sure that you come across with utmost credibility?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. <clears throat> I think, um, you know, when we all start in these industries, you know, you have the buzzwords and we're all faking it till we make it in some, some respect, um, understanding the technical jargon being able to, to delve a bit deeper into that as to, you know, the real technical strengths and value add and things. Um, I think, look, I think with, with any of this stuff, it's, it's, there's a maturity to it, of course. Um, and I think patience is probably the biggest advice I would give everyone. You know, I, with not being conceited because you know me better than that but I do think I'm extremely well regarded in those two areas to the point you know the government bodies asking you to speak at seminars and and different things so when I look back as to how you know we might have created that I think yes you need to understand the technical aspects because I think fundamentally as recruiters across any sectors if you're putting a really good brief technical brief, holistic overview of their management styles, their career strategy, their passions. Well then you need to be able to understand that. Mm -hmm. Um you know we can all put the buzzwords into account, a client brief. Um, you know, they've worked on this case, they've worked on this case. But I think then I think then, you know, understanding the nuances of the industry and the different areas and where they fit in. Um, to be able to, to confidently articulate to your client why this person's going to add value, not from a cultural, but but a technical perspective. And I think that just comes with time. Mm. Um, I also think for any of the, the young candidates out there, or young recruiters, I should say, I think sometimes... Um, the the best way to do that is the actual candidates just themselves. You know, it's taking the time to ask those questions. Excuse me, I don't know what a CVL is, you know. Um, I don't know what a trading administration is. Can you explain to me how that works? Yeah. Um, I don't know if 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 many people ask those questions out of fear at the start of their career of looking like they don't know what they're talking about.
0: Yeah. Have you have you have you ever gone out and read any? uh insolvency books or done
1: any courses or anything like that um yes and no i think i think that um vulnerability is what i was pointing out there in terms of not just with the candidates but the clients i think at the early stage of your career having that humility and vulnerability but i think it's how you word it look i'm new to the industry i want to become an expert in this space i understand the overarching uh, Comments, but can you just articulate and give me some more some more insight? I think, and then listening, which I think is 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 obviously a very fundamental part of what we do. um Yes, yeah, so I do. You know, I think when you're working in accounting and finance, if if you're not reading the Fin Review in the morning, for example, well, then you're not giving yourself the best opportunity to understand what's going on in the market. Um, I think. I think, you know, when when we do the career strategy with our own candidates and and the options available to them, you know, I think, you know, we are looking for certain things in those people. And and I think it comes down to a passion in the industry. So for whatever reason, you know, I actually really, really enjoy the industry. I think it feeds into the broader economy, of course. It's a cyclical market. Um, I find that the people... um, have a little bit more strength of personality in some respects, because some of them have to stand on the desk and take over the running of the business. Um, you know, when they're trading an underperforming business. Um, and then also I think when I relate this to, to forensics, um, I really love the challenge of forensics because these people are incredibly well-trained to sniff out the BS. Okay. You know, these guys might be ex police for as. as as very senior for 20 years have then gone into to professional services. They are highly trained in reading your body language, your tone of voice. Um, the market's incredibly incestuous. So everyone knows everyone. So you get found out very quickly, I think. Yeah. So if you don't fundamentally, I would say in any area of recruitment for that matter, Pete, if you do not have an authenticity in genuinely wanting to do the best thing for that individual, for their career, for their families, you will get found out. We're all going to have quick wins. We're all going to get a big fee here and there every now and then. But if you're really genuinely looking at developing, which has taken me in Australia 11 years, I would probably say it took me six to be really well-regarded, to get the the partner engagements, to get the phone calls from the national heads and the heads of advisory. And it was probably five or six years. Um, So patience is definitely fundamental to that but I, I do think it's the integrity Pete and the authenticity um, I love that challenge of sitting with a new partner um, in forensics that um, you know you just if you're not authentic you're gonna get you're gonna get found out very quickly
0: hey just breaking away from the conversation for one quick minute just to let you know that recruitment journeys is brought to you in partnership with Vincere the new breed tech partner, purpose-built for recruitment and staffing agencies worldwide. Designed for agencies only and not HR, Vincere is the secret weapon for progressive recruitment firms across Australia, New Zealand, and beyond. You can learn more about Vincere on my exclusive interview with their CEO and founder on season two, episode 14 of this podcast. In the meantime, if you're looking for a new recruitment CRM to accelerate growth and give your recruiters an edge over the competition, Please visit vincere.io/mint for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. Now back to the chat, mate. That's pretty terrifying to be sat in a room with somebody who's trained to read your body language. Um, <clears throat> thank God for Zoom. That's all I say. Yeah. <laughs> okay, alright, well, mate. So, um, so what do you what do you do to? But you know, that, that, that that that's actually that's great advice. So, um, so so part of your answer to my question you know how do you become that go-to respected credible person one is patience it isn't going to happen overnight uh one is is authenticity that makes a lot of sense yeah um and it's probably an angle that i probably didn't consider when when i decided to talk about this i was thinking about the more practical elements of things that you do to put yourself out there so again turning the day-to-day stuff yeah so, so turning the microphone to myself for a second, mm. I, I, I also buy into the belief that you can't just sit back and just uh, expect the market to know who you are and what you do. Oh, you, well, you can't, but you're losing out on a lot of business. Mm. Um, so I do uh, a multitude of things, which are probably not as... Uh, glamorous for want of a better word to, to mm. what you do you know I, I, I never speak at functions never get invited to speak at functions but i do uh i do you know this this podcast I, I i do a lot of i make a lot of noise on linkedin some, mm. of it, some of it, terrible some of it okay um some of it uh relating to the market that i i play in but a lot of it not and then you know I do things like you know Creating the the recruiters mentor project, which is all about mm. you know, recruiters to speak to each other. So you no, know, these are these are these are things that I try to do just to make sure that my name, my face, my brand is out there. And yeah. Sometimes you think to yourself, is, is it even working, right? Mm. Uh, but then sometimes you you hit a, a purple patch where people tell you, oh yeah, you don't know me, but I heard your podcast and and, mm. like, and you and and say, oh shit, it's actually working. What kind yeah. of things do you do, mate, to make sure that you are seen? And heard in the right places and seen and heard
1: for the right reasons yeah good question look i i think in any line of business i think you've got different personality types you've got the gregarious business developers that are uh, happy to get out to market you know particularly as as younger recruiters and and the lifestyle associated the networking the drinks all of that wonderful stuff um you've also then got the credibility and delivery people that you know, that, that that don't quite enjoy that that aspect or working a room from a networking perspective. So I think people have to be adaptable to that. But also in the knowledge that our clients are adaptable. I've got clients that don't want to go out and have a drink and don't want to go to the football and, and whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have to be adaptable to that. I think when, when I look back, some of the initiatives that that I did that, that have really, I think, laid, laid the path, if you will, um, I think... I think you you really, linking to what you were saying about, you know, like I said, with the Fin Review and, and stuff like that, you have to understand your market. You need to know, you know, strategically, you know, when you look at the lens that insolvency has from a regulatory perspective, um, the changes to those industries. So you're not just talking to the partners and, and the decision makers about the candidate that you happen to have. You know, it's almost a byproduct of the conversation at the end. OK, so what are you looking for? Because you already know the culture. You already know the, the leadership styles, the technical capabilities. But really understanding that that market is key. How do you do that? I think networking is an absolute fundamental at the start of anyone's journey. Um, I used to go to all the Arita, which is, you know, the, the the regulatory body, if you will. Um, the iWorks functions, which is the international women restructuring, da da da, da. Yeah. Um, there's three or four of those that that I I went to, to, to most of those. In fact, I had a client say to me, Chris, I was at the Arita conference last week or two weeks ago, and I was almost waiting for you to pop out from around the you know from around the corner. Where were you? Um, obviously, living regionally, it gets a bit harder, um, especially to become a dad and all those wonderful things. But I, I do think I do think, um, and something I'm pushing with the team now. I think you know if people don't have a quarterly slash annual strategic map of what they're doing um who their business development targets are who they want to break into uh where they're networking what's their linkedin social media strategy all those things feed in so i think i think you need to have that mapped out um uh i i organize things like an insolvency breakfast where i would get uh one of my clients managers at the time maybe two three different managers from three different firms and then i would get a insolvency lawyer, an insolvency banker, and an insolvency accountant, whatever it might be. And I would get them around a breakfast table once a month um, in the knowledge longer term strategically that all those managers are going to go through the ranks together. So from a networking perspective of where the work comes from, obviously my clients' managers want to network with those people because they will be their referral sources in five, six years. Does that make sense? So it's value-add to the client because you're supporting a networking event with their staff you're looking after the networking and actually I see those managers from the banks um that that um are still in the industry I see them at the networking events and we're all 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 far more senior than we were Um, so I think I think little things like that you know to separate yourself from your peer group um I think a lot of this comes down to to fear I think Pete you know some people are just um let their self-worth or that little gremlin that we all have in our head stopping stopping you from doing that those sort of things um the beauty of those sort of things are you're actually listening to all of those wonderful people in the market talking about the industry yeah. and 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 just listening you know so i think it's it's very beneficial in that sense um yeah my
0: um sorry sorry to interrupt but my 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 mentor who's a very successful uh Recruitment executive um, regularly gives me shit for for not going to uh, APSCO events, yeah. events and and Seek awards and I yeah go. yeah I don't go I mean it's it's the perfect place for me to be right but I just don't go hundred
1: percent
0: and that and that wouldn't be uh, that would be fear that would be, that would be laziness
1: yeah 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 honest. well I think even with the RCSA and things like that you know um, those those sort of people and 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 again Pete at the end of the day we're all extremely busy so if you haven't strategically mapped out what you're looking to do over the next three to six months then naturally your ambition or application to those things might waver as as things happen in life but if it's strategically mapped out you've invested in it you know whether that's an annual membership so you can go to all the events um, Mm. fundamentally it's about passion for what you're doing so for me they're the basics of 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 getting across the market and people do see your face at these things. Um and and I think later in life, you know, I don't do much business development anymore, Pete. Um, you know, I had to when I first set this business up, Pete, my top two clients were 80% of my fees. They both they both got acquired by firms that I didn't deal with. So I suddenly found myself, you know, putting our life savings for a house with a six month-year-old baby convincing my wife that this is the right thing to do for us. And then literally within the first six months, my two top clients had gone. So, you know, and then you ramp everything back up again. And, and actually, I now work with both of those clients. So they, yeah. soon, they soon got me on the panel. But, you know, I think um, I think it's, it's that longer term view on things as well. But to be honest, Pete, I think when it comes to recruitment, um, you know, our peer group do run around in a certain manner at times. Um, And I think one of the things that I'm very proud of, and I get a lot of feedback from, you know, is that authenticity and doing the right thing by people. Now, as a prime example of this, I recently run a very, very sizable partner engagement um, off the back of one of their senior hires that they made maybe in the 12 months before, yeah. who I lost a $50,000, $60,000 fee because I told that individual that I think the other role that I hadn't represented to him was a better fit for him. Yeah. Um, and if I had them both, I would be saying, look, I think this is more aligned to your values. To yeah. So fast forward six months later, um, they're going out to tender and I got invited to that off the back of doing the right thing by that human being. And... Um, And 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 touch wood will will turn into a really good client. So I think that's just a little snippet of 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 integrity, doing the right thing by people. Um, You know, I do think that sort of karma comes round. Oh, look, we've all been in that. We've all been in that situation. You know, particularly when you're younger and you need the money more, and you know you've got targets and you put pressure on yourself. But I would really, really, with all my soul, tell people that. Don't chase that dollar because money is a consequence of adding value. So if you consistently add value, you're going to make that money anyway. So just do 100% the right thing. Um, in our industry, you're already separating yourself from 60 70% of the market, in my
0: view. Love it. Okay, cool. Now, before we move on to the negatives of being in, in such a tight niche, if there are any, um, I need to put you on the spot a little bit, maybe even embarrass you. I'm sure. Actually, I'm sure I won't embarrass you. <laughs> Go for it. I'm, I'm. I'm not too proud to admit that when we were in the uh, the, the the grip of COVID, I was thinking, look, are my rectorac days behind me? Should mm. I be thinking about going into a new market? By pure coincidence, my oldest, one of my oldest mates in the UK, works in exactly the same market as you, Chris. Mm. My mm. is Tim, and uh, and I approached him. I said, look, is your is your market going to be hit by COVID? I went, no, 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 if anything, it's going to be the biggest time, busiest time ever. So I explored your market, you know, as, a, as, a, as an alternative to mint recruitment. Yeah, I we spoke to, about I, it, didn't we? I think I might have told you and you were kind enough to give me advice. You know, you, you could have said, you know, you could have, you know, seen me as a potential competitor and, and, and gave me a load of tough advice, but you were kind enough to give me authentic advice. And I spoke to some head of uh, governing body, I can't remember his name, but he was lovely as well and he gave me his time and we spoke about you as being the go-to person in the market and he said he said I tell you what I love about Chris doesn't doesn't matter where he is he always captivates the audience I said right well what do you mean and he said and I can't remember the, the details he said but I was at an event recently <laughs> and uh I turned around and, and, and in the corner of the room there was like seven or eight people all gathered around laughing and having the time of their lives and uh they were, they were focusing on one thing and I got a little bit closer and there's Chris Kager Watson in the middle of the mall doing card tricks. I knew you were
1: going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so, yeah, that is, is, true. That, is, that, is that that true. Is that true? Man? Yeah, yeah, it is. I met a fantastic guy in South America who taught me one card trick So and a really good one. So I was then going around South America. To be honest, it was one of those positive pursuits after my father passed away where you know I was trying to to find things that, that that were a bit healthier and, and positive yeah. as as a as a hobby so I just took up magic and I've probably been doing it for 10 11 years now so
0: okay. um yeah. it definitely
1: captivates the room that's for sure but you've I, I, look to be honest I've actually thought about that a lot because I think there's a time and a place for those things because you know you you also want to be known for the credibility in your delivery and and, yeah. and your knowledge of the market more so yeah. than being a card magician but look that's just a A little, uh, a little avatar for the want of the better word for me. Um,
0: So so, so tell me, does this mean that when you go to a networking event in a room full of accountants, you are are armed with a pen, paper, and in your top pocket, you've got a pack of cards? Is that well, I'm
1: not giving too many more tricks away, but probably two (laughs) packs of cards, Pete. If I'm, (laughs) Um, but no, look, that's just. To be honest, I think from an icebreaker and things like that, and actually one of my clients is is a magician as well in Sydney. So um, I look to be honest, I think that just comes down to authenticity. If if yeah. if there's things that you love doing and it's part of your personality, um, John Winter, I think you were alluding to uh, Arita,
0: because
1: um, we. We did a small medium end practice uh, seminar up in Port Douglas uh, and bless Johnny, actually. And these are the benefits of when you do become a bit of an expert. I had a phone call from John asking me to speak at their seminar in Fiji. So, you know, if you're going to get a gig um, to speak at a seminar and it's in Fiji and you know, my, my pregnant wife came at the time and I jumped out of an airplane and landed on the beach. And, you know, that was probably off the back of eight years of really hard work to become an expert you know, in, in that niche. And, and, you know, some of those life affirming moments where, you know, the fruits of your labor come to fruition a little
0: bit. 100%, well mate, well, um, I was just wondering, because these are, these are thoughts that I've had uh, over the years and I just wondered whether you did also, have you ever on occasion um, had any element of regret that you've worked, that you chose such a, a niche market um do you you see any any negatives of being in such a narrow line yes Uh, and and if you had your time again would you would would you have done it different because i know i if if i'm being honest if i had my time again would i choose choose wreck to wreck uh maybe not not sure what you think
1: well i think it comes down to the passion pete and and look you know i think you're comfortably um and not denigrating any competition uh, out there, I think you do a great job and and certainly wouldn't refer anyone to anyone else so you know you, you might not, you might you might wanted to have done 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 something differently, but I know a lot of people that respect the work you do, so I think um, I think. You do fall into these things. Look, you don't leave university to become a recruitment consultant. So, you know, for me, I think being a recruiter is more being, if you're a good one, you're more of a business advisor anyway. So, you know, I think um, whatever niche and area you you, you fall into, you've got to be aware. Insolvency is an incredibly cyclical market. So, you know, we've had three years, really, of a very, very slow market. 40% of people leaving the market. Um, so, you know, for me that, that, that is a challenge, but then I think I was quite clever in some respects of, of, of also doing corporate finance, which is a counter cyclical market, you know, when there's a lot of liquidity in the market, the corporate finance is booming and insolvency goes down when, so the only regret I have is at one point in time, I was trying to be a master of all and Jack of none. So I was doing internal audit risk roles, audit roles, business services roles, Fundamentally, insolvency and forensics was my core market. But if a job come in, you try and do it. So I would I would be wary of that to anyone. If you're gonna gonna specialise um, in some markets like IT in the verticals that they have, or even cybersecurity contracting, I think you can solely focus on one. I think with me, I had to go and get two. Um, because of the cyclical nature of these markets. Now, the other beauty of of being strategic in that sense is that they're very aligned. So a lot of people will leave insolvency and go into forensics. The investigative nature of of going through underperforming businesses in distressed environments, that's aligned really to the investigative nature of of forensics. So um, I would say, you know, I would say really no regrets at all. I love my industry. I love the people. I mean, I love people in general, and I, I, I'm really passionate and authentic in trying to find people a job that they love. The only way you can do that is by understanding your clients, their values, the business, the growth strategy, um, and being completely open to the pros and cons. I have partners that are very difficult to recruit for, for various reasons, yeah. Um old school mentality, communication style, all of these things, lack of flexibility is is probably a more pressing issue recently. But I think if you're authentic and open about those challenges, and then if you do have someone who's very direct, well, you need to, you can't put a shrinking violet in there. So, you know, I think um, for whatever reason, I do really enjoy the people and and Pete, you're the same, you know, a lot of these clients are friends now, you know, Um, and really valued friends as well. So, no regrets. Um, I think if I had any regret, I'd probably be two, three years ahead of where I am now. Mm. If if I had if I hadn't diversified as much, trying to trying to hit targets and 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 you know saying no to work is okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, to focus on on what you're trying to do, and it's a five to ten year project, really. I think to become a specialist in anything, let alone a recruitment sector.
0: Final question, mate. What next for Chris Koger Watson? I was going to say, and genius people, but let's just focus on you. What next for Chris Koga Watson? Uh, look, I, I, how, long, how long can you do this for, mate?
1: <laughs> well, I love the career counselling side, Pete. So I'm actually in the process of developing, you know, Jamie Oliver went into the schools to change how the kids eat. I'm going to do that to change how they do career counselling. So okay. I have a more passionate pursuit. I'll, 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 I will go and develop this business for another seven years, I think. And then... whatever mechanism you know we decide to to manage that and then i'll 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 try and go into to to more of the career counseling and uh and development of my own technology around that ip which we're doing at the moment um just trying to be the best person i can at the moment pete and 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 grow and develop in a leadership sense you and i talked recently about the management of stress um and you know, as your business grows, you've got to get all the standard operating procedures, you've got to get the structures in place. So I'm really, really engaged and fulfilled in that at the moment. But um,
0: so you yeah, you, you also need to get the standard operating uh, procedures of your of your health and and absolutely. In, in place as well, mate.
1: If I can give any any young individual a bit of advice as you know, I had a very recent, recent health scare, as you know, um, largely stress induced, I think. I think um, I think learning to switch off, and it gets harder as as you know your business grows, and yeah. you have got to get that structure and delegation right, of course, and, and accountability in different areas. Um, why are we all doing this? Why are you trying to be an expert in a niche area for, yeah. for, for obvious financial gain, but also reputation and credibility?
0: Yeah.
1: Why are we doing it all if? we're not happy at home and being present and enjoying, enjoying it. So I think you have to get a balance of, of switching off. Right. Which is something that, that I'm, I'm, I'm learning to do a lot better at the moment, mm-hmm. but I think that fulfillment negating some of that stress, you know, that really does come through your passion in what you're doing. And if I can give anyone a little, you know, uh, last comment to really hopefully resonate with people. Um, I think you need to, to really look after people on a human level and break that down to their personal goals, their professional goals, their values, and their career strategy. I think if you really authentically look at those key areas and do 100% right by that individual, I think you're going to become an expert in that space eventually. Um, if you're not, you're going to get found out very quickly um so and it is rewarding you know not from an ego we've all got an ego in some respects but am i very proud of of the fact that you know people get referred to me and people like john winter as we spoke about you know say those kind words absolutely absolutely so it's a great industry recruitment and it's very rewarding and fulfilling and you can earn some really good money and all those sort of things um it's just patience and, and application, I think, over a period of time to become the expert in, in any chosen field pick.
0: Uh, mate, that's, that's, that's wonderful in closing. So, so for me, the advice that you've given to anybody uh, going on this, this niche specialism journey is, is patience, authenticity, bravery, um, you're putting yourself out there, um, being vulnerable when you don't know all the answers. Learn some really good card tricks, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm more than happy
1: to 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 teach that. <laughs> we I
0: could think do, um, we could do that in a separate podcast, mate. We
1: can, we can. I think being strategic really is 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 really important. I think we're we, we you know as a junior, you're you're looking at the leaders to to do that, and that and and that is of course right. But I think when you're looking at the different networking events, the different things available, um and exploring those strategically and following through with those I guarantee if you're going to a networking event every month you know or even every quarter um you will bear the fruit of that over a two three-year period for sure
0: Brilliant, mate. well you're doing something right mate congratulations on everything Congra- congratulations on genius people uh here's to a very successful remaining seven years as you've just yes. outlined and mate, we'll, uh, we'll catch you very soon. We'll catch us soon. And ride, thanks,
1: uh, thanks for inviting me, Pete. You do a great job, mate. And um, all the best. Thanks for your time.
0: Cheers, buddy. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Take care, mate. Hey, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Recruitment Journeys. Now, whilst we are very passionate about bringing to you inspirational stories from the recruitment industry... Our day job, our bread and butter, if you like, is recruitment to recruitment. That's what we do. So if there are any recruiters out there listening to this podcast who are thinking about their next chapter um, and they just want to have a confidential chat about what's going on in the marketplace in their respective cities, please do not hesitate to reach out in the strictest of confidence. Call me, Pete Watson, on 0432 666 701 or drop me an email at pete at mintrecruitmentgroup.com and you will find me on LinkedIn as well. I'm all over the place. Thank you so much for listening and hope to see you again.